Now, all, all you're thinking about is carrots. Do any of you still remember what was the point? That's the problem with an illustration. Nobody remembers the point anymore. Do you remember what was the point? God does what we didn't expect, what we don't expect. He is, he is, he is more, he is better than we expect him to be. He does what he says. He does what he's promised. Now, I need to warn you this morning, I'm also going to do not quite what you expect. You're expecting maybe I would turn to the end of one of the four Gospels, and there we would talk about that morning, that Sunday morning scene, that surprise of the resurrection. The problem with that is for many of you, it wouldn't be a surprise. You've heard the story before. You've probably read it, I hope, even this morning. Well, we had it read to us together as well. I'm going to start in a different direction. I'm going to start a little more philosophical this morning. And everybody said, oh. But we're going to get to Easter. We're going to get to resurrection, I promise. But you're going to need to watch for it. You might not see it coming just like that morning. Though they should have, they didn't see it coming. There's a new label, there's a new label that's been thrown up on Twitter and other places. Come out, comes out in conversations, the idea of speaking and living your truth. Have you heard that? Yeah? The, the value, the importance of your truth, and you need to speak your truth, and we need to hear your truth, and live your truth. Well, at the same time, persons older and younger, persons conservative and progressive are, are, are starting to ask, well, exactly what does that mean, your truth? Truth is classically defined according to that ancient and sage source, dictionary.com, as the true and actual state of a matter, or that which conforms to actual reality. But wait, whose reality? My reality or your reality? Are those the same? Truth is a verified and indisputable fact or proposition. But is anything indisputable anymore? Does truth have to be verified in order to be true? Because truth is also a fundamental reality that is apart from and transcends personal experience. That's important. Truth transcends personal experience. It's important because your truth is defined this way. Now, you can't go to dictionary.com for your truth because this is a new term. This is a new, new language in our culture. And so I had to go to another a sage source called the Urban Dictionary. The Urban Dictionary defines your truth as truth as it is known and experienced by you, Okay. Just hold that thought for a minute. Truth is known and experienced by you. There's no insistence on absolute truth. It's just true for you. Now, now, true purists don't like any modifiers added to the concept of truth. Truth is truth. It's not my truth or your truth or their truth. What, that which is true is truth or the truth. Absolute. And yet, perhaps this your truth, is actually just a, a new label on an old reality. You've heard the saying, 
we only know what we have experienced and been exposed to, right? We only know what we know. And along with that, we don't know what we don't know, right? Well, think about it for a minute. What don't you know? I don't know. See? (laughs) We don't know the things that we don't know because we don't know them. Okay, so I have my truth, which certainly is not going to be all-encompassing. That also suggests that beyond my truth, there is something else yet to know, which we don't yet know, right? Now, if the celebration of your truth as truth lacks that last part, the fact that in humility I recognize that there is something that I don't yet know, then your truth can become arrogantly intolerant and can become um, smug, idealistically superior to everybody else. So at one level, your truth is your experience so far. It's, it's, it's flexible and fluid, right? There's room for more within. But if it goes to seed, it becomes that assertion of self-autonomy. I define what's true for me as if I am in charge, ultimately, of everything. Now, this tension between your truth, their truth, the truth, it's not new. It's been around as long as humans have been around. In fact, that tension is in the story that we're going to turn to this morning. It's it's a story of when your truth meets God's truth. Okay? Your truth meets God's truth. Now, our story starts in Athens, ancient Athens. Well, not really ancient, ancient Athens, more the, uh, the first century Athens. Athens is the guardian city of the history of the gods of Olympus, their truth. Now, that seems far away. That seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Why would that matter to us? I mean, Athens was a long time ago. They looked at things completely different than we do. Are you sure? Actually, the people of Athens valued much the same things as you and I do. If you were to go with Paul and wander around the city, what would you see? You would see that they, were, they had a strong, strong democratic tradition. They, they, they valued beautiful architecture. They prioritized learning and education. They prized physical beauty. They were enthusiastic sports fans. In fact, the academy of the day, the university of the day, the center of it was the gymnasium. The NCAA would be so proud. Even today, you know, more people know about the NCAA than they do about regional accreditation bodies, right? Things haven't changed so much. What we value is a lot like what they value, and how we represent it is a lot like how they represented it. They worked to find a balance between work and pleasure in a changing culture that wrestled with the tensions of my truth, your truth, the truth, God's truth. As an Athenian, you would have your truth. And your truth would be related to your experience and your background and even the traditions of your circle, your family. There were many different temples in Athens. There were many different gods represented in Athens, and all of them shared some commonality in the story, but you would typically align yourself with one or some 
and not the other's. This was your truth. That was somebody else's truth. That works for you. This works for me. I have my truth. You have your truth. And there's a, there's a, a, uh, a coexisting together in some sort of a, a public harmony there. There were many options for your spiritual truth in Athens. And they were open for more. Now, in the midst of this, one day, in the middle of all that, a man named Paul, an ambassador for Jesus, comes to Athens. And as Paul is wandering around the city, he sees all these buildings, all these structures, this grand architecture that shows what the people of Athens valued, what they believed in, what they trusted, where they found their identity and their meaning. That is evident in the culture. Did you know it's also evident in TV commercials? You can tell what we value. You can tell what we put our trust and our confidence in, even in, in what's marketed to us. Okay. Well, well as, as Paul wandered the city, he struck up conversations in the, in the downtown plaza. There was called the marketplace of the day. There were some philosophers there. There were university professors. There were the prominent talk show hosts. And as they heard Paul, they said, you're saying something new. You're saying something different. You've got some new, you've got your truth that we want to hear. We want to celebrate your truth as something different. Because it says that the Athenians loved to do nothing more than hearing something new. And so... This has got to be on the platform. This has got to be on the daytime talk show. This is something for us to talk about, not necessarily to do anything about. But go ahead, tell us your truth. We'll see how it stacks up against our truth. So, Paul brings God's truth to the city of your truth, my truth, their truth. They, they invited him to the, to the most significant, prestigious platform or pulpit in town. It's called the Areopagus, the site of the ancient council. Nine members of the Areopagus council would hold court there. It was like the Supreme Court of Athens. They invite them, him to come there and to speak his truth to the people of Athens. Tell his truth, as they said, something new, something we haven't heard before. We'll pick it up in the book of Acts, chapter 17. I'll start reading in verse 22. You'll find it, if you're using the church Bible in front of you, you'll find us on page 926. 926, Acts chapter 17. We'll start at verse 22. So, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. You're very spiritual people. As I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Now, what therefore you worship as unknown, not knowing this I proclaim to you. What you don't know about, I want to make known to you. As I said, these many idols that he saw, these many temples that he saw, they indicated what Athens valued most. These are the things that they found their identity, they found their security, and these are the things they trusted in. Sometimes we, th we think of idols and temples in, 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 in another culture, and we equate that to the churches in our culture. The churches in our culture, the cathedrals, the grand buildings, are just one of the kinds of temples in our current culture. 
The grand architecture, in fact, today, a, a couple hundred years ago, the grandest buildings in any city were the cathedrals, right? That's not the case anymore. We have other temples. We have other structures that indicate a greater trust, a greater value. What are the things in our city? If Paul wandered around in our cities, what would he see? What would he assign as our temples, those things we value, those things that we have confidence and trust in where we find our meaning? Certainly it would be the grandest buildings in our cities are the government buildings. In fact, they are built in the same pattern of the Greco-Roman world, aren't they? He would, you would see it in the banks and commerce buildings, in, in our hospitals, in our universities. We have the same kind of confidence or trust in the same kind of things as the people of Athens did. That's the similarities. That's why I'm saying this is not just an old story that's irrelevant to us.